0: I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Jesus Mathlaw will join us to discuss how to drag a body. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question a week coming right up here on the Grok's Science Show. Science show. Well the motto is be prepared, but in today's ever-changing environment, what does that actually mean? Well, joining us today to discuss her solutions is Miss Jus Matloff. Miss Matloff teaches conflict reporting at Columbia's Graduate School of Journalism, has pioneered safety training for women and media around the world, helping hundreds of journalists face an increasingly dangerous world. She has penned the new book how to drag a body, and other safety tips you hope you never need, survival tricks for hacking, hurricanes, and hazards life might throw at you. Ms. Madloff, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show.
1: Glad to be here.
0: It's really an eye-catching title, how to drag a body. (laughs) You never know.
1: (laughs) I want to say that's that's a live body.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, anything helps here. (laughs) Great book, great tips. Why did you decide to read the book?
1: I had been a foreign correspondent for about five years. Uh, working in some pretty gnarly places like Latin America, Africa, the former Soviet Union. And so safety was obviously a very, very big consideration. You cover wars and devastating natural disasters. Um, and then when I returned to the States 20 years ago, I started bringing safety training for journalists because I realized that we didn't have protocols that were necessary to keep people safe, and that people were being targeted, they were being killed, they were being raped, were being maimed, etc. So I started doing safety training. And then people who had nothing to do with journalism would ask me for safety advice. It was my kids' high school teacher. It was the plumber who lived down the street. It was my sister who's a social worker. These were people who had nothing to do with journalism, but they had concerns about safety online, physical, when they travel, really every type of circumstance you can imagine. So I began to think, well, maybe I should just all put this in a book and then people could manual that they could refer to.
0: Was it surprising to you that they just send people off into the field and not give them any indication of the things you'd be encountering as an overseas war correspondent?
1: Yeah, it. Remember, this is the '90s and '80s, so we didn't have safety protocols, and the industry has changed substantially since. Now we do have safety protocols. People do get safety training, which is what I do professionally. But yeah, I mean, it was some covered of war. A bottle of scotch by my uh, chief that we didn't even use flash jackets in those days, and he just said, Good luck, you know, do a good job, come back with equipment <laughs> that did in those days, and it really wasn't until the off we began to develop a system of doing this in a, in a slightly smarter, more cautious way.
0: The book has a number of these great tips. What was the, the ones that you put in there that you wish you would have known before you'd gone off and the things that I think you think really are sort of essential for people to know?
1: Well, this one sounds really dumb and uh, you're all welcome to laugh at me. But at the time that you're not supposed to walk on an ammunition dump after it's been blown up. So if you see a bunch of smoking missiles, you really shouldn't stroll amongst them. Uh, I also didn't realize that an armed combatant was on not obviously. You shouldn't run towards gunfire and snipers. You should probably take cover. The other thing which I didn't know at the time, what I also didn't know at the time, was that if somebody's finger gets cut off, you shouldn't put it on ice. You should put it in a Ziploc bag, keep it cool, and get it to a place where it can be reattached. quickly. examples of the things that I wish I had known at the time.
0: Now I think everybody knows, hopefully, and keep in mind, should digit amputation become a possibility in their future or someone's future? <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious, though, it's a very different environment being out in a war zone. What about everyday life? What do you think? Things that you might not think about, but probably should know if you're being prepared.
1: Well, you know, the title of the book, How to Drag a Body, which refers to dragging a body to save the person. Let's say there is a car accident and the emergency responders haven't arrived yet. If you know how to extract a body from a car, from an accident, you might be able to save that person's life before the help gets there. So that would be one example, how to secure your online communications so that you're not hacked and, um, in, and so that you're... you're to censor the information stolen the way it was in the target and the, interfa- and the breaches. breaches. There's so many different dangers that we face in our lives. For instance, right now, let's say you lived in Minneapolis. It would be good to know how to dodge all these rioters and how to navigate that situation so that you can get around the city in a safe way. That would be another thing. So these dangers come upon us whether we expect them or not. And it's just good to be prepared for them. What about the pandemic? That's another big example. My family and I, we were actually really well prepared because we always have emergency supplies in the house just in case. So we had all the personal... The equipment that people need, like masks and gloves, wipes. We had a supply of of non-perishable food. We had a medical kit. We had all of that in the house already, so that when everybody was panicking and going to the stores and there was hoarding going on, they couldn't find toilet paper. We were pretty calm because we already had it in the house. Um, Another example would be a hurricane. Um, How many people are prepared for a hurricane? The season is apparently going to be a very, very rough one. So I would suggest that people get Get ready now, figure out their evacuation routes, figure out how they're going to communicate, get an NOAA radio, which is hand-cranked, battery-free uh, radio. So there, there are all sorts of things, dangers that lurk around us are actually all contained in the book, which have nothing to do with war.
0: Do you think we've sort of become divorced from some of these, maybe we should be prepared for it, think about than we were in the past, or, or is it just the same and we just need to refresh our memories?
1: More online driven right now. For instance, when I grew up, people used compasses. I'm I'm a great camper. We used compasses and we used maps, and now people use GPS. And I know people that I know in the military have said that the the young generation of soldiers who were raised on Nintendo don't have the navigation skills that, for instance, I'm in my 60s, that my generation had. I think, you know, the the gravitation towards online communication has opened up a whole fear of new dangers for us, and that was something which our forefathers or, you know, even my generation when I was a young person, we didn't have to deal with texts. We didn't have computers or cell phones. So I think there's a lot of new things that have come up. I think anybody who's in Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts will have certain survival skills. Uh, they'll know how to make a fire. They'll know how to tie uh, a rope. They'll know how probably I would have suspected you know, basic first aid. So I think some of these skills exist, but I also think the world is a more complicated place right now. And one thing that concerned me very much is mass shootings. In schools, for instance, when when the Boston Marathon bombing happened, there were people on-site bystanders who knew how to start bleeding. So nobody died because of that horrible bombing because the bystanders were able to administer emergency first aid before the uh, first responders came. Likewise, in Las Vegas, when there was the mass shooting there, uh, quite a few lives were saved because bystanders knew how to sponge bleeding. So I think the skills still are there. I think we need to remind ourselves that if we don't have them, we need to get them.
0: I I certainly know if the internet goes out over here, uh, we kind of run into a panic, so we need to have more of that on board. (laughs) You know, you have some uh, final words regarding being prepared in your book, How to Drag a Body.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that if you can imagine what your worst-case scenario is— Evaluate whether it really is realistically going to happen It normally can't. And then come up with a plan. You're actually going to feel more in control because you have a plan of action that you can follow. And you thought it through. So my advice is, you know, for instance, we may have the second surge of the pandemic. Start preparing now. Think about what went wrong with your preparations this time and prepare for it next time so that when it happens, you'll already have your supplies in the house. You'll already have a plan to face it. And I I think that it's probably a very good philosophy to adopt in any fast-forwarding slide just think about what might go wrong and make a plan so that you'll feel more calm in case it does happen.
0: Good advice, and certainly hope you will go take a look at the book. We were just talking with Miss Judith Matloff, her new book, How to Drag a Body and Other Safety Tips You Hope You Never Need, Survival Tricks for Hacking, Hurricanes, and Hazards Life Might Throw at You. Miss Matloff, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show.
1: Thank you so much